They weren't having breakfast. They were praying. They were praying. I respect the fact that they have reverence. And why do I say that? I think we've lost the reverence for this sanctuary. Especially, especially when someone that is leading worship begins to pray and there's everybody talking and talking and talking and he's having to pray over everybody. I think once he starts praying, it's time to shut up and get into the service. I'm sorry, I'm going to be bold this morning, guys. He usually puts a, a, a timer on there that says, in five minutes, service starts. And I don't think anybody pays any attention to it. Because once it comes down to, it's time to start, we still have the walking around and the talking and this and that. And we need to bring reverence back into this sanctuary, guys. I, I understand that once we're done and the fellowship that's going on, it's good. It's great. I encourage that. But once we're in service, let's have reverence for the presence of God. Amen? I'm going to try in 30 minutes to give you the message. Try to let you out early so you can come back at 2 o'clock. By the way, if you're not a member, you're welcome to join us at the uh, annual meeting as well. It's not just for members. You can come. All the difference is uh, when we vote for board members, you don't have the uh, that right to to vote. Okay, so but you're you're welcome to come. Uh, you're welcome to come and, and, and share your thoughts as well. Uh, so we invite you as well to come at two o'clock. Twenty years. We just we just went past twenty years here at this church. And I can see that the first 10 years, this church was on fire. <laughs> this place was on fire. I, I will say that we had well over 100 people attending here when we first started. It was something new. New people were coming in. They were excited. The first uh, summer blast that we had, we had over 60 workers helping out. I mean, at that point, I was already beginning to think, we're going to need a bigger sanctuary. It was growing. Things were happening. There was excitement. You see this bottom line down here? That's where the roof used to be at. And when we remodeled it, we raised the roof. But guess what? During worship, the roof was being raised even higher because there was such an excitement, such a desire to worship God. I mean, people were just, they couldn't do enough. 20 years. And then after those first 10, we started to slow down just a little bit. But I can say that these last five guys... We've lost that fire. We've lost it. To be real honest with you, we exist from Sunday to Sunday. That's it. Some of you, I won't see you till next Sunday. 
Linda, I'll see her tomorrow because she helps count. Those of you that come on Wednesdays, I'll see you on Wednesdays. But some of you, I won't see you till next Sunday. And the first 10 years, there was something always going on here, whether it was remodeling or practice for praise worship, something, there would seem like something was going on all the time. There was a desire there. Now, I don't think I need to tell any of you this morning that these next two weeks are going to be probably the most interesting weeks that we'll be facing. January 5th, a very important day. January 6th, a very important day. For those of you that don't know, on the 5th, those two senators in Georgia, okay, it will determine who has power in the Senate. Now, if we lose both of those, if we lose them both, the Senate will have, uh, the, the Democrats will have full power. So they will have full power in the House, in the Senate. Well, by the way, at this point, we don't have a president. We don't have a president, okay? We will not have a president until January 6th. You can call him a uh, president-elect. You can call him whatever you want. Joe Biden is not the president. Kamala Harris is not the vice president. Get it straight. They have not been certified, okay? So on the 5th, we need to pray for Georgia. We're not voting, but we need to pray for Georgia, okay? That these two Republicans get elected. Now, if, it, if they don't, again, I'm going to say brace yourself. Now, on the 6th is when Congress comes together to certify the election. All it takes is one senator to challenge the electors, and it goes into a lot of complications. And it can go on for several weeks before they determine whether Biden or Trump is the winner. Now, there's a good possibility that on the 6th, okay, when they don't certify, there's a good possibility that they can overturn are you hearing me? Overturn the election, and that would put Trump for four more years. But I will guarantee you guys, I will guarantee you that if they do that, Antifa, Black Lives Matters, and all these other organizations, they are ready to fight. So either way, okay, here's my question to you. How are we... How are we going to respond to these next two weeks? Besides the fact that we're going to pray, but when these, when these decisions are made, how are we going to respond as a church? How do we respond to this? How do we get here? How in the world do we get here? Why Georgia? And why that controls, uh, uh, all control uh, for the Senate in Georgia? Why, why did everything fall into Georgia? How, how do we get here? I'll tell you how we got here. God's allowing all this.
He's allowing all this for good reason. And I believe that the reason he's allowing this is to wake the church up. To wake the church up. So let me just, you don't need to turn here yet. I'll give you some scriptures, but let me just remind you of what Ecclesiastes says. It says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Ecclesiastes 9 verse 10. And Paul says over in Colossians 3.17, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now let me just say this, guys. I'm talking to the church here this morning. I want to get us back to where we were at the very beginning. Now, I understand one thing, that 20 years later, every one of us are 20 years older. The energy we had 20 years ago, (laughs) we just don't have it anymore. But unfortunately, this church is made up of pretty much more more of the the older uh, people. I think the youngest right now, Bob and Jack, and uh, who else? Uh, Justin Beckner's waving at me. Uh, we got Nikki here. Um, yeah, Cornelius trying to get in that group, but uh, that ain't going to work. <laughs> got Maxine and Casey back there. We got Albert and Denise. Uh, so, so we have them. So I understand that 20 years later, we, we move a little slower. We get out of bed and everything hurts. I understand that. I'm right with you. Okay? It takes us not... 10 minutes to put our shoes on and run out the door. Now it takes us two hours to put our shoes on and run out the door. I understand all that. But I want to I make something very, very clear, guys. For those of you especially that are working, have worked in some capacity, I want you to know one thing. You're not doing that unto me. You're not doing it unto the church. You're doing it unto the Lord. So let me say this, that if in the last few years you have failed to give 100%, you're not hurting me, and you're not hurting uh, the church. God is the one that you are disappointing. Are we getting this? Are we getting this? Okay. I want this church to flourish. I want it to go to the next level. And in everything that we faced this last year with this virus, with the elections, and everything that's been thrown into this, I want us to move behind that, get behind that, and just, if anything, get a fresh vision of how God can use each one of you to bring this church to a higher level so that we can be once again what we were when God first started this church. I want to read out of Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. And I'm going to take some of Paul's words this morning, and I want to apply them to us. In Philippians chapter 2, starting with verse 1, it says, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, 
if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, and of one mind. And look at verse 3. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than himself. I believe what Paul is saying here, that it's not about me, and that I should not raise myself above anyone else, but that I should look at your needs as well before I look at my needs. Friends, we've been through some times in the last few years, and I'm going to bring out some things here that you're going to think, uh, that you're going to sit there and wonder, what, what's going on? See, as a pastor, I, um, I, notice, I notice attitudes. I, I not only notice attitudes, but I, I also recognize that when certain people are together, and for whatever reason, there's some conflict there, there's a, there's a spirit there that is different, and I recognize these things. I want you to know that this church is not unified. We're not walking in unity. Years ago, somebody brought up the fact that we have cliques, and you're going to find cliques in every church, unfortunately. And I hate to say this, but we have cliques in this church. And we're saying... In a sense, my clique is better than that clique. We get together to do this. We get to do that. Friends, the unity is not in this body, and I need to deal with it. If we plan to move forward this next year, if we plan to work together this next year, we need to be united, our minds, and know that we're doing this for God. But the verse, verse 3 says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition. In other words, whatever you do, it's, it's not about, hey, look at me, look at me. Somebody, somebody give me some kudos over here because I'm doing something for God. Throw that out. Forget about that. Don't do it to impress anybody. If you're going to impress anyone, impress God. But don't let people, uh, don't, don't, don't expect people to come up to you and say, hey, brother, hey, sister, you did a wonderful job. If they don't come up and do that to you, so be it. Just know that you did your very best to honor God. You know, I, I will admit that whenever I preach a message and people come up to me, that's a good message, that's a good sermon. Uh, yeah, I, you know, my head gets a little bit big and I say, oh, good, I'm doing my job. But you know what? If I'm doing it for that, for that reason only, then, then I'm doing things wrong. You know, if Bob gets up here and he plays the piano and then Ralph gets up there, there should be no comparison. Do you hear me? There should be no comparison whatsoever. And that's, that's what Paul is saying. It's not about selfish ambitions. It's about honoring him. It's about working together. And we've got to come together and work together. He goes on to say in verse 4, Let each of you look out not only for your own interest, but also for the interest of others. I've said this before, and I'll just mention it real quickly. The church that we came from, where we were established, we had, I believe, five worship leaders. I happened to be one of them. 
There's myself and John Sandoval, there was Kenneth Smith, there was Andy, there was Kent, and we all took turns, we would all rotate. Kenneth being the pastor's son, for whatever reason, the people didn't really like when he led worship. They really liked when John led worship. I don't know what they thought about when I led worship. It didn't matter. I just they gave me an opportunity and I did it. We had two services, the early service and the later service. And if they found out that Kenneth was leading the, early, the later service, everybody would go to the early service. If they found out he was leading the early service, everybody would go to the later service because they were, friends, this is horrible. And we can never get that. And so it doesn't matter if, if Bob and the team is leading or Ralph is leading. It doesn't matter. They're all doing it unto the Lord. And so we shouldn't even think who's leading this week. Is it Bob? Is it Ralph? We shouldn't even think about that. We should come to honor God. And so, friends, this is some areas that need to work out of our church and get them out. And because we, that doesn't unify the church by any at all. And by the way, I think they both did a wonderful job. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Amen. Go to uh, verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but only now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Friends, I believe that that's what we've lost. That's where we've lost our vision. Is it that I think that a lot of times we look at this as a job and it shouldn't be a job. I believe that what we've lost there is that, uh, let me go back and read that. It says, not for it, for it is God's who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. I, I think we've lost that because if, if, if we realize that we're doing this unto the Lord, nothing should get in the way. And I, I believe that's where we lost some of that attention, that, 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 that excitement, is that we're just not coming together the way we should. Let me read a little further. Do all things, listen to this, do all things, Paul is saying, do all things without complaining and disputing. Again, I invite any of you that if you have any complaints about me or anyone in the church, that you come to me and we'll deal with it. But the last thing I want to hear is different ones complaining to others before they even come to me. Something that we have to deal with. But it says, it says, do, do all things without complaining. And I, I would hope that whatever, whatever place you're involved in, in helping or working, that when you come in on a Sunday morning, that your heart is in it, that your desire is in it. You know, Teresa works with the teachers. And she's been shorthanded for years now. And basically, we've had a lot of the same ones, just rotate and rotate. And I know that sometimes when we do the same thing over and over and over again, 
It's easy to start complaining, disputing certain things. Friends, we got to get our minds back on Christ. If all we have is five teachers, then let those five teachers work together. Let them pray together. Let them have the one mind of Christ together, and hopefully we'll get others. If we have these five worship leaders, uh, worship singers, and, and, and that's all we have, let them all work together in one mind. Friends, I don't want any of these five complaining one to another or saying something about someone else. Friends, we've got to get all this junk out of the church. God cannot operate. God cannot move. The Spirit of God cannot move when we have these thoughts and we're operating in this way. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We'll live for faster. Do all things without complaining. Let's go to Philippians chapter 4. Last week, uh, Thomas gave you a lot of scripture, a lot of, and by the way, I wasn't even able to hear it because he wasn't even on podcast, and I, I apologize to you guys. That was my fault. I um, forgot to give uh, Justin the, the password. Uh, for those of you that were at home last week, we're not able to, that's why. Um, you know, when, when we go out like this, um, it's hard to cover everything, uh, try to cover everything, just make sure everything ran smoothly, and that was the one thing that I failed to, so uh, please forgive me for that. Um, so chapter 4, Philippians. So, so, so Thomas gave you a lot of education, okay, a lot of education. I'm not giving you education this morning, I'm giving you instruction, I'm giving you instruction, and, and that's what Paul did with all these churches. He instructed them. There was problems. There was sin, and Paul dealt with all of this, okay? That's what he's doing now as well, and that's what I'm doing with you also. Why? Because in the last few years, as I said, we've slowed down. We've backed away from our commitment. We're still operating. We're operating at a very low level, okay? And if we're going to make a difference, especially with what's going to happen here in the next two weeks, as a church, we need to be ready for what the future is going to bring us. One way or the other, Trump or Biden, we have to be ready. And if we continue in the direction that we've been going for the last few years, the church is going to die. It's going to die. I personally refuse to let it die. And I'm going to do everything that I possibly can to keep it alive. Now listen to me carefully. I turned 65 in November. Woohoo! Young man. But with 65, that's the age of what? Retirement. And I will be real honest with you when it comes to the church. My thoughts are there about retiring. Okay? You'll know more, you'll hear more about it at the annual meeting as to what my plans are come this next year and the year after that. Warren Wisby wrote a book. And in that book, there's a chapter, there's a checklist for the pastor to look over and to answer those questions. And one of the questions that he asks 
of the pastor is, are you working yourself out of a job? I'm not. But I'm going to. I'm going to start working myself out of a job. Doesn't mean that I'm going to quit and just move away. What I am saying is this. I'm going to get more people involved. I'm going to get more people involved. I'm going to get more, more people behind this pulpit. For too long, I've been carrying it. And it's time that others, that others start being involved in ministry. Now, having said that, how do I get those in the last few years that have stepped back and said, I'm going to do the bare minimum? You, you may think, I'm here every Sunday. But the way I see it, it's the bare minimum because there's so much more that we used to do that we stopped doing that we can get back on board and start doing that all over again. So Paul says there, in the fourth, therefore, my beloved, and long for brethren, my joy and crown souls, stand fast in the Lord, beloved. I implore Euodia and I implore Syntyche. How would you like to have those names, Euodia and Syntyche? I implore you to be of the same mind in the Lord. Who are these two ladies? These two ladies had a conflict with each other. The scripture doesn't tell us what the conflict is, but I can imagine that when they walked into the church, Eodia comes in and then Santiki looks at Eodia and says, oh, there's Eodia, I'm going to walk the other way. Paul dealt with conflict. He dealt with ladies that were, were having conflict with each other. We don't know what the conflict is. But what is Paul's response to that? Paul says to them, I implore Euodia and implore Asantiki, be of the same mind in the Lord. So in other words, Paul didn't take sides and say, you know what, Euodia, I really feel sorry. Don't worry, I'm going to talk to Saint." No, he didn't go to Saintitiki and, and say, I feel sorry for you. I know what she's doing to you and it's wrong. He didn't take sides. He said, ladies, be of the same mind. And I'm saying to all of you, you may have issues with someone, but when you walk through those doors, leave that conflict on the outside and don't bring it into the church. If there's issues with one another, when you walk through those doors, be of the same mind. You may not think this, guys, but when certain people walk in with a certain attitude and they bring it into this church, it affects the whole atmosphere. It affects the atmosphere. It's the same thing that if, if Bob walks up here and for whatever reason, him and Jacqueline have had it out uh, at home before there. And so when Bob comes in here, when he, before he walks through those doors, he's going to say, Lord, I need to put this aside. He's a leader. Ralph, Natasha, if they have something, and when they walk in here, and if there's an issue, they need to leave it out and walk in. And I will tell you, friends, there's been plenty of times where Teresa and I have had our fights on a Sunday morning. No. 
And I'll get in my truck and I'll spin out and I'm so mad and I'll drive over here and I'm walking through and I'm having to bring my composure in line. And I'll have to get behind this pulpit and I will be of the same mind. Paul dealt with some pretty tough issues and he dealt with that really good. Ladies, whatever it is, don't bring it to the church. And when you're in church together, be of the same mind. Now look what Paul says. He continues to say here. Where was I? Rejoice. Verse 3. And I urge you also, true companions, help these women who labor with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. Where is Paul writing this from? He's writing this from behind bars. Paul is having these ladies that are having conflicts, and he's writing to them, and he's writing to them, and he says, Rejoice in the Lord, and again I say, Rejoice. I'm giving you this instruction right now that if for some reason things don't go the way we want them on the 6th and on the 20th, we have an inauguration and they pronounce Biden our president, I'm going to say to you right now, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice. Be that one mind. That's what's going to get us through. Hallelujah. Let's go a little further. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. Now he's going to get really good. Now I'm almost done here. Let's go to Matthew. Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16, and let me ver read uh, verses 24 and 25. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now these are the words of Jesus, okay? He says, For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit? For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Let me read to you this quote. If you don't plan to live the Christian life totally committed to knowing your God and to walking in obedience to Him, then don't begin. For this is what Christianity is all about. It is a change of citizenship, a change of government, a change of allegiance. If you have no intention of letting Christ rule your life, then forget Christianity. It's not for you. K. Arthur wrote that. And those are pretty, pretty straightforward words. I remind you what Ray Chavis used to say, Christianity is not for wimps. It takes a strong person to stand up. 
And I want you to know that the time is coming that we're going to either renounce Christ or declare that he's our Savior. We're getting closer to that time. And if they say to you to renounce Christ or else, where do you stand? Now, the unfortunate thing is that for the last few years, in a sense, we've been renouncing and we've been limiting our Christianity to a certain level. We need to raise the roof. We need to raise our commitment. We need to be on fire for what God has for us in 2021. A life totally committed to God has nothing to fear, nothing to lose, and nothing to regret. Now, let me go to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. First Corinthians chapter 6, and let me read verses 19 and 20, and it says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? What does it say? You're not your own. Who do you belong to? You belong to Christ. It says, for you were bought at a price. What was that price, guys? That price was Jesus Christ hanging on that cross giving everything for every one of us. So we don't belong to ourselves. The moment we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we gave up all of our rights. We relinquish all of our rights, and we give them over to Him, and now we are under His direction. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore, it says, glorify God in your body, in your spirit, which are God's. Jesus taught that your highest priority must be your relationship with him. If anything detracts you from the relationship, that activity is not from God. God will ask you to do something that hinders God will not ask you to do something that will hinder your relationship with Christ. If God is not at the center of your life, listen to this. If God is not at the center of your life, something else is. Go back to Matthew. Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, and before I read that verse, and I bring this to a close, I listened to Rush Limbaugh quite a bit. As you all know, Rush Limbaugh is battling cancer. Because he's battling cancer, his time on the radio is limited. But for whatever reason, Rush Limbaugh has a lot of, a lot of wisdom, a lot of knowledge. And the last time that I heard him was just a few weeks ago prior to the end of the year. And I could not believe what Rush Limbaugh was saying. He was almost in tears when he said to all his listeners, he says, I, I have failed you. I'm thinking, how in the world could he even think that way? 
He's got a huge following. I have failed you. And as I heard that, I thought about myself and about the church. I thought, you know what? I have failed the church. I failed you guys. I failed God. I've done my best. I really have. But I feel like I failed. Especially this last year. I've let things go. Yeah, I've had a couple of messages where I really got bold. But I let a lot of things go. A few years ago, we had some huge problems with the, with the praise team. And it took a lot to get through that. It really did. The meetings that I had with them, the scoldings that I had with them, we got through it. We got through it. But I feel like I failed. And uh, I want to do better. I want to do better this coming year. I want this church to come alive. I want this church to make an impact in our community. I want this church to reach souls. I want the praise team to come together once again. I want people to, to join with Teresa. So Teresa, you know where she's at this morning? She's in the nursery. But I will guarantee you one thing, my wife and I will not let this church die. And if it comes down to just the both of us, we'll do whatever it takes. But I'm telling you right now, it's time that the church rise up. It's time that you put your excuses aside. It's time that you look at your family and say, my life is committed to God and I'm going to give them everything that I have. Not 50%, not 75%, but I'm going to give them 100%. And the family needs to understand If we don't do something, guys, and I'm tired of it, I'm tired of just existing. I'm tired of just from Sunday to Sunday. We've got a lot of talent here. And it's time that you start spending time in the presence of God and say, God, what is it that you want me to do at Praise and Worship Center? What is it you want me to do for your honor and for your glory? How can I put the talents that you've given me, how can I put them to work there at the church? Because, friends, I think all of us, we need to be in agreement that it's time that the church rises up, it catches on fire, and that we are revived to the point that come this year, whether it's for the virus or a new present, whatever it is, we're going to overlook all that because God's going to rise us to a higher, higher ground. Hallelujah. And we need to let the Spirit of God move in this church once again. It might not have gone over very well, but some people need to make some changes. We need to make some changes. And if you're not committed, I hate to say this, I really do, but I need to say it. That if you're not committed to the ministry that you're in, 
I'd rather you step down than to stand in the way. Well, pastor, you're going to lose the whole church. If I lose the whole church, I lose the whole church. I want committed people that I have a heart for God, that have a heart for one another. That's what I want, people that are committed. You know, for too long, we've been this church of convenience, too long, this church of excuses, and that's where I have failed. I haven't addressed those things, and I want that to change. If you remember, I believe it was last year, not the year before, I came, the Lord burned a message in me about the altars. And we got some altars here. But you may not be a part of this or ever were a part of this, but I came from a charismatic church where there was altar services. Where people were convicted of the message or somehow God convicted them and they would come to an altar and there was people surrounding them, praying over them. Do you know when the last time that we had an altar service? It might be my fault because I don't, I, I, I look at my clock and I see it's 12 o'clock and I see that it's time to close. You know what's hilarious, and it really isn't funny, but a few months ago, I preached a message and I was talking about how as soon as I say amen, those doors open and they fly out of here. I mean, it's true. That's, that's who we are. And it's the, the thing of it is, we, we fly out of here, and we fly out of here to what? Go watch the Dallas game? Boring. I mean, we, we fly out of here and we go where? We go to a home that we sit there and we do what? We take off our shoes, we'll relax. I understand fellowship this past year has been very difficult because of the virus. But this is not just last year because of the virus. It's been going on for years. It's been going on for years. Guys, this is where we're at. And that's got to change. Paul dealt with, Paul dealt with issues in the church for good reason. He wanted the church to be alive and active. What did I say? Matthew chapter 10? Matthew chapter 10. Verse 37 says, let me start with verse 34. Did not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to, a, come to set a man against his father, a daughter against his, her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. If he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves a son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Goodness. There, there, there's, another, there's another scripture there, I believe in Matthew, where it says that once you put your hands to the plow, 
What does it say? Once you put your hands to the plow, there's no looking back. And that's where we've been. We put our hands to the plow, but we look back. We've got to put our hands back on that plow and just march forward. Amen? Well, again, if you didn't like the message, we have an annual meeting that you have every right to come in and say, we need a pastor, a new pastor. Hallelujah. But you know what? I need to make it a habit. I need to make it a habit of closing this way because I never know. I just never know. I don't know where your hearts are at. But the fact is, Jesus came. He came. He lived a sinless life. He lived that sinless life, and then he was crucified. When he was crucified, he was put in a tomb, and on the third day, he rose again. And it's because of that that we have eternal life, everlasting life. The Bible clearly says, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So without acknowledging him as Lord and Savior and confessing your sins to him, should anything happen, you're not going to enter the kingdom of God. So I want to ask this morning if there's anyone here that has never accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, this morning it's your morning. Come up here and we can pray with you. Or perhaps you have, but you've fallen away and you're not where you need to be. I want to pray with you as well. Anybody here this morning? Anybody here? Kamatha, come on up here. Anyone else that would like to surrender their lives to God? Hallelujah. Ladies, I want a couple of ladies to come and to stand with, with, with Kamatha. Hallelujah. Is there anyone else? Anyone else that would like to surrender their life to God? This is your morning. This is your time. Friends, the next two weeks could, could change our lives drastically. And you need to be ready for that time. Hallelujah. As I pray, if there's anyone else here, I give you this invitation. Father, she wants to prepare herself for the future. 
She wants to be ready should that trumpet sound. She wants her name to be written in that, that role that will be taken. Father, she wants to be ready if anything should happen to her. So, Father, this morning we pray that she will stand firm in serving you, following you. Thank you. 
desires. I pray this in your name. All right, thank you guys for, for hearing my cry, for understanding. Thank you this morning for wanting to make this church a church that is going to be alive. And I declare right now that this will be the year that we will see souls saved. Kamatha, thank you so much for responding. We give, you, we give God praise and glory, okay? Father, I declare right now that this will be a year that every member here, every one of us, we're going to seek your face. And we're going to be ready for what this year has planned for us. Father, we're not going to be deterred. We're not going to be discouraged. We're going to be encouraged. Father, we are filled with the power of your might to go into this world, to evangelize, to encourage, to comfort. Father, I am reminded of the time that I sat over at Lauterberger and I saw that smoke coming from the top. And it was the Shekinah glory that was upon this building. Holy Spirit, we invite you once again. We recognize that apart from you, we cannot do anything. And we pray like Zechariah prayed. It's not by might nor by power. It's by your spirit, saith the Lord. Father, I pray once again that when people walk through those doors, they're going to sense your presence. Father, fill it. Fill it. Every corner of this building. Every room within this building, fill it with your Holy Spirit, with your Shekinah glory. God, I pray. I pray right now that we pursue your will and your ways. God, help us. God, help us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Well, Ron and Dorothy, we have a different service every Sunday. So we invite you guys to come back. Invite you to come back, okay? There's always something different going on. And so this morning, you're having to walk into a time when instruction was in order. But we minister the word, and that was the word. Hallelujah. So I, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance, and he will give you his peace. Amen. Go home, get some lunch, come back at 2 o'clock. We'll have our annual meeting. God bless you guys.